I was uh, driving uh, Friday to, to, to Orange Beach. My um, granddaughter's son, her name is Rachel, used to be Rachel Wolf, it's Rachel Tibbetts. Her husband was graduating from Columbia Southern, and so it was a big graduation. I had no idea, but I was driving on the way to uh, Orange Beach, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to have about an hour in a car, and so I got this CD that somebody had given me, and I put it in, and it, it was glorious. It was glorious. Started off with these are the days of Elijah and on. But, you know, I, and I had kind of just like you, I have a heavy burden for our nation, a heavy burden about this election. We're all burdened and concerned, and we're praying. David here every morning in the sanctuary praying at 6, Monday through Friday. We have a prayer meeting on Friday night where we gather at 6.30 and pray. And next Sunday night, which is the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have our regular service as we on the first of the month, and we're going to meet together, and we're going to worship, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to have a special prayer meeting on Monday night. So it's not that we're not taking seriously uh, this election, and we are. And we're doing what God told us to do. We're praying. <laughs> but I had a startling the Holy Spirit startled me as I was just thinking about this and just worshiping the Lord. You know what he told me? He said, you already have a king. I said, you're right. His name is Jesus. And he's the king of all kings. Well, I got happy. I'll be honest with you. Because you see, Jesus is not up for re-election. He's seated on the throne for eternity. And by the way, there'll never be any scandal. <laughs> because Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And he was called, the, behold, the Lamb of God, spotless and without blemish. And so I just began to dwell on the fact that we have a king. And the Bible says he's the king of all kings. His name is Jesus. And so today I want us to think about what's coming. But just remember one thing. We are citizens in two countries. Did you know that? I've had people say, so-and-so gets elected, I move into another country. You don't have to do that. If you're a child of God, you're already living. <laughs> you're not only a citizen of the United States of America, but if you're the child of God, you're a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. We are heavenly citizenship. Man, we have a heavenly citizenship. And I guarantee you, our king knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I want to tell you, our king will have the final word. Oh, yes. Our confidence, while we pray and we hope and we want to see the best person that God put in a place, a position of authority. We, want, we, we realize Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last, who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. We have a king, and his name is Jesus. In fact, you know, uh, Pilate asked Jesus if he was a king. In John 18, verse 36 and 37. Now, now listen. 
Jesus said to uh, Pilate, they were fixing to nail him to the cross. While the devil thought he was going to strike a fatal blow to the Son of God, and he didn't know it, but he was sealing his own doom when Jesus went to the cross. Jesus answered Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is from here. And then he goes on. And Pilate asked a question. Pilate said to him, are you a king then? Listen to what he said. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. Jesus said, I am a king. You got it right, Pilate. I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. That I could bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So I want us to think, think about Jesus Christ, a glorious king. And I want you to remember, first of all, that we, our citizenship, we have a heavenly citizenship. Did you know that? In King Jesus, we have a heavenly citizenship. You know, the Bible makes that clear. You look in the book of Philippians, and I want you to notice. Now, now what part of this don't I understand? It says, our citizenship is in heaven. Wow. Well, if your citizenship's in heaven, it's pretty secure. You know that. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so it's got a heavenly citizenship. And that's exactly where we are in, in uh, Ephesians 2, verse 11 through 14. Now, I want you to notice that you, if you're saved, if Jesus Christ lives in your heart, if you had that experience where you became a new creation in Christ. I didn't ask you if you're religious. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I didn't ask you if you'd been sprinkled. I didn't ask you if you'd been defecated. I didn't ask you if you went through some class. If you had a, a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, then your citizenship is in heaven. And listen to what it says here. Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles. You see, Jesus came first to the Jews. Oh, yeah. And his own rejected him. Therefore, remember, you were once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by, that's uh, Gentiles, by what is called circumcision, that is Jews, made in the flesh by hands. But then he goes on and says, at that time, you were without, you were aliens from the kind of Israel. You were strangers, the covenant of promise, having no hope, boy, and without God in this world. Listen to me. America's full of people who are aliens without God and who have no hope in this world. No wonder it's so chaotic. No wonder people don't know which way to go or which way to turn. But look what happens when Christ came into our life. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, and boy, I'm telling you, we were far off because of our sin, have been brought near. Man, we have been brought near. How? By the church, by ceremony? No, we have been bought near by the, say it with me, the blood of Christ. Wow. What can wash away my sin? Finish it. Nothing but the That's exactly right. It was the cross that brought us near. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has broken, the, who has made both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
And then he goes on and talks about the fact of our heavenly citizenship in verse uh, 19. He talks about it. Now, therefore, since we're in Christ and the wall has been broken down, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, Jew or Greek. We're all one in Christ. Now, therefore, boy, this is good. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. But you are a fellow citizen with the saints. Man, we got a heavenly citizenship. Now, our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, fellow citizens with the saints and your members of the household of God. And he goes on and tells us what that's all about. By the way, not only are, are you no longer strangers and foreigners, not only members of the household of God, not only citizens of heaven, you've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being a cornerstone. And he said, guess what? You know why he saved you? You know why he brought us all together in one body? In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, that's a New Testament picture of the church. People get saved. Jesus brings them together. And they become a holy temple in the Lord. And look at this. And you're built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know why I look forward to coming to church on Sunday? The Bible says we've been built together with other believers into a holy temple. You know why I love coming Sunday morning? You know why I love to come to church? Because I tell you another thing. He says we've been dwelt together to be inhabited by God. And wherever God is, that's where I want to be. Well, I don't know if I'll go to church today or not. Well, you're not going to come meet God? It ain't about hearing a sermon and singing a song. It's about coming to this place and having an encounter with the living God. You've been built together for a holy temple in the Lord, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So you've got to understand, we are citizens of heaven. We have a heavenly citizenship, and Jesus is our King. One other thing I want to say about that, and I'm going to move on. The Bible says we're pilgrims and strangers on this earth. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're just passing through, y'all. By the way, it passes through pretty quick. You know that? <laughs> so you live to be 80 and Doris 90. I mean, let me just say one thing. It's over before you know it. But just think about it. It's like one of those little teeny grains of sand that Ed talked about that I didn't understand. <laughs> it's like those little teeny grains of sand. That's how this life is compared to eternity. That's right. That's what it's like compared to eternity. And, it's, and so we, we're looking, we're strangers and pilgrims. It, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to listen to what it says in verse 13. Therefore, talking about the Old Testament saints, they died in faith, not having received the promises. They hadn't, hadn't got all the promises of God, but they saw them afar off, were assured of them, and embraced them, to listen to this, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. And they all died in faith. But they, they knew they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. And in verse 16, you know what it says? They who say such things declare, for that now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Man, they were looking forward to their heavenly home. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. He's prepared a city for them. 
right, so today we've got a glorious king. We have a dual citizenship. We're citizens of the United States of America, and we are to obey the just laws that our government passes, and we will not obey the unjust laws that would cause us to violate the Word of God or violate our Christian faith. We won't do that. But God told us to obey those in authority, so if they're just laws, we will obey them. If they're not, we won't. But we've got to understand, we're just passing through here now, and we're headed for a new home and a heavenly city where we're going to spend eternity with King Jesus, our glorious King. Remember Jesus said to Pilate, you're right, I am a king. And I have a kingdom. It's not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight. You know, uh, Jesus is our glorious king because let me tell you what. The Father placed Jesus in a place of eternal power and authority. We often wonder who has power and who has authority. All power and authority on this earth is transitory. It's not permanent. But Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father on high, and He, our glorious King, is in a place of eternal power and authority. Now, I want you to look where the, the power and authority Jesus has. You see, we, we could look at the chaos in this nation. We could look at the deception. We could look at the lies. We could look at the confusion. We could look at the ungodliness. We could just look at this nation and say, my Lord, this whole world has gone crazy. This whole world is on a jet plane of wickedness headed for an eternity without Christ. We could do that. But listen, we've got to come back and understand that Jesus Christ is seated in a place of authority and he is going to rule and reign. Look at what it says in Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. He's our glorious king. He is in authority. Look at what it says. What is the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us as believers who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He said, we know the exceeding greatness of God's power. We saw it when God raised Jesus from the dead. Look at this. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. He's on the throne of power and authority. And it goes on and says in the next verse, it says, for this is good. You see, Brother Fred, the devil's having a field day, right? Principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world are having a field day. You're right. But look what it says about Jesus. He's at the, our glorious king. He's in a place of eternal power and authority. He says, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age which is to come. Man, I'm just getting excited here. Jesus is above all principality and all power and all might and all dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. Glory to God. Look at the next verse. You know what the Father did when he exalted Jesus? Put him at his right hand, victorious king, glorious king, he said, he put all things under his feet. Did you know everything is under the feet of Jesus right now? You say, well, Brother Fred, when's he going, 
When's he going to finish this thing up in his time? But all things are under the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is the head of his church, the body of Christ. Now listen, you know, we could get all disillusioned and full of despair, but we've got to understand that King Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, a glorious king, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And everything is under the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that God has raised us up who are believers and seated us with him in heavenly places. And everything that's under the feet of Jesus is under our feet. But it also says, look at Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Jesus, our glorious king, is the place of et- in the place of eternal power and authority. God placed him there. And he is, and the Bible says, look, look here at verse, this verse. God has highly exalted Jesus. He wasn't exalted by any man or any group of men. He was exalted by his heavenly father. So God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name. What name is above every other name? What is Jesus? That's what it is. Say it. Jesus. And notice how people get nervous when you talk about Jesus. You can talk about God. You can, they, and this makes me angry. They talk about the man upstairs. I'll tell you what, there's no, not no man upstairs. It's a mighty God upstairs. And at the name of Jesus, every knee. <laughs> you mean every knee? Oh, yeah. The blasphemers, the mockers, those who feel like they have all power and authority. It'll be the poor, the rich, the black, the white, red, the yellow. Listen, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Not some. You can bow now or you'll bow later. But every knee is going to bow. The name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I can't wait till this day. And every tongue will confess Every, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Woo! Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's say it together. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our glorious King. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father with eternal power and authority. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, before he went back to heaven, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I have all power. Oh, he said it. He knew that he had won the victory on the cross. And he told his disciples, and uh, and look what he said in Matthew 28, 18. He said to his disciples, he came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Oh, you ever noticed in the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come on what? Earth, as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is a glorious king with all power and authority, and he confessed that he had all authority in heaven and on earth, and he is going to have the final word. Peter on Pentecost, the first sermon preached after the Holy Spirit God had come and filled disciples. I want you to look at what Peter declared about Jesus in Acts 2.36, he said, Therefore, of this, let all the house of Israel know that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ.
I'm telling you, we got, we got a heavenly citizenship. We, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, now, we're passing through earth right now, and we need to live. We need to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength. We need to love Jesus more than father, mother, brother, so yes, in our own life. We need to have our life in the hands of the Son of God. Yes. But remember, we're pilgrims and strangers. And we have a heavenly king. And we get our orders from him. And we, we follow his commands. And, and, and I'm telling you, he is Lord and Christ. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. So, heavenly citizenship. King Jesus is our glorious king. But let me about King Jesus. He's our victorious king. Not only is he glorious, he's victorious. You know, I love it <laughs> where it says uh, that Jesus Christ won the victory over the world system, over the flesh, and over the devil. He won the victory over them, and it's glorious how he won the victory. Let me tell you something. It's not if Jesus Christ will win the victory. You understand, he has already won the victory. And his victory is our victory. Now, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Now, if you try to fight the world, flesh, and the devil in your own strength, you'll get your brains beat out. But if you're totally dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit, then you will be able to enter into and experience the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let me just show you. The Bible says that Jesus, on the cross... Won the victory over the devil and his demons, the world system, sins the ruler of it, and over the flesh, our sinful nature. Our first one I want you to look at it. Look at Colossians two thirteen through fifteen. It says here that he disarmed. Now get this. It says that on the cross Jesus disarmed principalities and powers, made them a public spectacle. Look at what it says. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcised of your, of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven, have been made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. All right? And, you, and he's, listen to this. Here's the good news. If you're saved, I want you to listen to what he said about, about your sin. Listen to what it says. This is what it's did to your sin if you're saved. He wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you. So here's your name. Sin, 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 sin. But when you came to Jesus, everything that was written against your name, it says, having wiped out handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And look what he did to our sin. He's taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Woo! You see, Jesus is not only, not only the glorious king, Jesus is the victorious king. And he won the victory, and he disarmed principalities and powers, made a public spectacle of them, trying up over them in the cross, and took our sins on himself, and washed them away, and declared they're given. But also, I want you to notice in John 10, you know, if you just to think about this, uh, 18 and 20, John 19, 28. I want you to listen to this. He's at the end of his journey. He's hanging on the cross. 
It's already got darkest midnight in the middle of the day. Darkness covered the earth. Jesus. They're saying to him, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Thank God he didn't. We wouldn't be here if he did. They mocked him. But you know, he knew what he was doing. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I give it up a ransom. He said, I, I know what I'm doing. This is my hour. This is why I was born. We were born to live. Jesus was born to die. And knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And he said, all things that were accomplished, everything he was supposed to do, everything the Father had for him to do when he was on earth, he had accomplished. And then look at the next verse. They took a vessel of sour wine, which was sitting there, filled a sponge and uh, with, on, put it on hyssop and put it on his mouth. Okay. And look what he said. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, it just touched his mouth. You know, he'd been hanging on that cross for, for hours. His lips were parched. His bones were out of joint. The agony was beyond our understanding. And Jesus said, he said, and one of the gospel writers says, he cried with a loud voice. It is what? It's finished. What? The victory that he came to win. It's finished. He's accomplished it. It's done. He didn't say, I am finished. He was just getting started. He said, it is finished. I have defeated the devil. I have overcome the world system. And I have put to death the flesh. And he said, I have finished the work the Father gave me to do. And it is finished. So we need to understand that Jesus Christ is our glorious king because he has absolutely finished the work the Father came him to do and he has overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know what the Bible says? Just with one sacrifice he took care of your sin. You have to repent. What does that mean? You've got to change your mind. God, I agree with it. It's a sin. I agree with you. It's a sin. That's what confess means. I agree with you. It's a sin against you. And because it's against you, I turn from that sin. I turn from it. I walk away from it. I'm not going to hang on to it. He, when you confess your sin and agree with God about it, look at this sacrifice Jesus made. Hebrews 10, 12 through 14. He says, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever. That's it. Nobody else needs to make any sacrifice. There is no sacrifice you can make but of a broken and contrite. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down because he was, you don't sit down until you're finished. Sat down at the hand of God. For by one offering, that it, from that time he will, from that time waiting till his enemies become footstool. And it goes on and says, for by one offering, praise God, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. So I'm telling you, Jesus is not our glorious king in the eternal place of power and authority. But he's, Jesus Christ is our victorious king. On the cross and through his resurrection, he won the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm going to give you um, 
how we get into his victory? I'm just going to name them pretty quick. I want you to stay with me. You say, okay, Brother Fred, Jesus has won the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And now I want to enter into his victory. I want victory to be mine. All right, here's the first thing, Galatians 2.20. You've got to understand that Christ lives in you. I want you to hear me carefully. Somebody asked me, Brother Fred, is the Christian life a cult? I said, no, it's impossible. There's only one person that ever lived the Christian life. Who was that? Jesus. But guess what? If you're a child of God, Jesus has come to live in you. Hallelujah. And now it's not you, but Christ in you. That's the hope of God's glory. So look what it says. I've been crucified with Christ. I took my place in death with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but say it with me. Christ lives in me. That's where the victory is. You enter into his victory because he lives in you by the Holy Spirit. Christ lives in me and the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, let me mention four things. One, he won the victory over the devil. Look at 1 John 4, 4. I'm just showing to you. You are of God, little children, and over, have overcome them. Are you ready for this? Because greater is he that is in you who is in you, Christ. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the devil. So, I've entered into the victory of Jesus, and greater is Christ that is in you and me than the devil that is in the world. So, hey, we have the victory of Jesus over the devil. We have the victory of Jesus over the world. You see, we're living in a world system, y'all. Now, I'm not talking about the created world. God's created world is awesome. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. I love God's created world. Oh, so beautiful. My flowers, the butterflies, the birds. Man, God's beautiful created world. And sometimes it gets cooled, and that makes it that much more wonderful. (laughs) And I'm waiting for that to happen. But look what he said here. The world system, he said Jesus overcame it. You're of God, little children. That's an affectionate name for Christians. You are of God, little children, and overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. That's the victory over the devil. And now we go to uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Whatsoever is born of God, get this, overcomes the world. Wait a minute. I thought the world had to overcome me. That's not what it says. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We can overcome the world by our faith. In the world, but not of the world. It goes on and says it again in verse 5. Who is he that overcomes this world system? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So I have victory over the devil in Christ. I have victory over the world. And you go on to the next thing, you've got victory over the flesh. Look at what it says in Galatians 5, 24. Somebody quoted this to me the other day, and man, I just loved it. It says, and those who are Christ, you belong to Jesus. You've crucified the flesh. You put it to death with its passions and desires. Hey, we belong to Christ, and we say no to the flesh. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. And so Jesus is our victorious king over the world, over the devil, the flesh, and the world. And by the way, he's the overcomer of death. Look, look at this one. 
I visited a lady yesterday. I, I hate cancer. I hate it. I saw her about two months ago, and honest to goodness, it, my, I, I could not stand the sight. It just overwhelmed me. I told my wife that she reminded me of or somebody that one like one of those people in the German death camps at Auschwitz. She was so thin, no hair, just just probably didn't weigh 50 pounds. Cancer had just eaten her life away. But, oh, you don't understand. She's a child of God. That was just her earthly house. <laughs> she was fixing to get rid of that this week. And she's going to go on to our heavenly home where she has a citizenship. And look at this. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But now listen, got victory over death. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Death has no claim on a child of God. We just change locations. That's all we do. We leave our earthly home where earthly citizenship and we move right on in to our heavenly home where we have a heavenly citizenship and it will be glorious. You say, Brother, I want, Brother Fred, I want to go to heaven but not right now. Why? You telling me heaven wouldn't be better than this? You mean to tell me if this heaven's not going to be as good as this? You say, well, you must going to be trying to die today. I didn't say that. But I tell you what, death has lost its sting. Hallelujah. And you know most Christians I know, in fact, I don't think I've met, they're not afraid to die. But it's just how they die. Oh, yeah. They're like me. They want to die perfectly well, okay? <laughs> but that ain't the way it is. God had one son without sin. He had no sons without suffering. But I want to tell you right now, you talk about victory. Man, we have victory over the devil. We have victory over the world system. We have victory over the flesh. But praise God, death has lost its sting. And it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory of our Lord, uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I think this is my last point. And I'm having such a good time, I'm just going to dwell on it a minute, okay? I know what time it is, but it doesn't bother me at all. You're going to like this because it's true. Okay, we have a heavenly citizenship. We're pilgrims and strangers. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. And Jesus is the king in our heavenly realm. And he's our king. And we have a heavenly citizenship. And with the final word for the way we live and what we do comes from Jesus, our heavenly king and our heavenly citizenship. And then Jesus is a glorious king. He has, he has eternal power and authority. Nothing will ever take it away from him. And he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He has the first word and he'll have the last word. And one day every knee's going to bow before him and he's the victorious king and when we come to Christ and surrender our lives to him his victory he won on the cross and in his resurrection becomes our victory and we live not in our strength but in the strength of the son of God well here's the last one king Jesus is our soon coming king he's the conquering king and guess what he's coming back now, some of you say, Brother Fred, I've been here that for, forever. That's fine. I'm glad you've been here because it's true. You know, there, there were many prophecies about his first coming. 
You read the Old Testament, the, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. You know how many promises are in the New Testament about his return? Over 200. 200 times. In one way or another, it says, he is coming back and you better keep your eyes on the eastern sky and you better be ready for such an hour as you think not. The Son of God will come again. You mean it could happen in my lifetime? Oh yeah, probably will. You know, I want you to notice how he's going to come. Now, they make war with him. <laughs> it said that they made war with the Lamb. You go over in Revelation chapter 17, verses 5 through 7. And on her, this was the great harlot Babylon. And it says on her name, on her forehead, her name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great mother of the harlot's abomination of the earth. So just talking about the wickedness, the beast and the false prophet. And, and I saw, uh, all right, go on to uh, verse 7. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I, you know, I didn't want to read all that. I just wanted to read where it said that Jesus uh, overcame them. Uh, is there another, did I give you another verse? Well, anyway, it says over there that they made war against the lamb and the lamb overcame them. Okay. You can look it up in Revelation 17. Made war on the Lamb, and the Lamb of God overcame them. All right, now, Revelation 19, 11 through 6. Talks about he's going to be the coming, conquering king. He, all right, look at what it says. Now I saw heaven open, and bold a white horse. And him who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Okay, it's a war. His eyes were a flame of fire. Man, that's Jesus. And on his head were many crowns. That's the Son of God. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword with which he should smite the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me tell you something. The Bible and uh, the book of Revelation, of which I have no authority, I've read it, but, and I, I've preached on it, but I, I'm, you know, I don't claim to be a great student of Revelation. But I'll tell you one thing, there's the beast, the false prophet, and the Antichrist, and guess what? Jesus whips every one of them. He beats the devil out of them. <laughs> and it says of the devil, and he who tormented the earth was bound and cast into the lake of fire. You know why the devil's so upset? Because he knows where he's going. And the problem is he wanna take you with, wants to take you with him when he goes. The, devil, the hell was never prepared for you and me. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. And to go to hell, you've got to go over the cross and to go into hell. That's the only way you're going to get there is to reject Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is our soon coming king. He's coming again. We're looking for him to come. I'm going to close with this verse. I love this passage about when he comes back. 1 Thessalonians 5. The king's coming. Hey, Bible has a song that says that, isn't it? The king is coming. Brother Ed, be ready. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sound. I got to stop that. Listen to me. 
He's coming in power and authority. And it's, this is a passage I love. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus himself is coming. He's not coming on video. <laughs> He's not sending a substitute. The Lord himself will send from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, their bodies. Then we who are alive shall be caught up with them together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. You say, Brother Fred, what is your eschatology? When he comes, I go. You don't know the day? No, I don't. But I know one thing. He's coming. Some of you don't believe that. You doubt that. You say, oh, no, I'm going to live the rest of my life and nothing's going to be just like it always was. Well, then you'll be like the virgins who had no oil in their lamps and they came and the door was shut. And it was too late. Well, in light of this election, I want to remind you that you already have a king. His name is Jesus. And I want to remind you that you have a citizenship on this earth. You need to take it seriously. You need to pray. You need to vote. You need to intercede for this nation. You need to cry out to God. I'm telling you, you need to. And we will. But I want to tell you, we're strangers and pilgrims here. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And Jesus Christ is our king. And we're going to listen to him first. I won't obey the law because God told me to. But I want to tell you, I'm going to listen to what King Jesus is saying. And what he says is what I want to say. And the way he lives is the way I want to live. That's what Jesus is. And so all I can say is he's coming. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready in every way. And thank God we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We just know I praise God, my king loves me. He has power and authority, and he'll never leave me nor forsake me. No matter what I go through, the king will go with me through it. And I'm always safe, safe when I'm close to the king.